Martin McDonald, the, the man, the myth, the legend. How are you doing, sir? Yes, I'm very well, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. No, very, very excited. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to chatting about both MNU in general, just something I'm very passionate about on my end. I, I, I had an amazing experience, which we can talk about. Um, also some PCOS stuff, but I got an email the other day about, and I've been following, obviously I follow you guys on Instagram and everything, um, about a new accreditation that you guys have received. And, and I'm, I'm guessing that's something that you have to work on to get. It's not like something that, I just don't know what that process is like. And, and I guess maybe over here in the US, there's like, I just didn't immediately know what it meant. And so I'd love for you to just explain what that is and, and say congratulations, because it's obviously a great thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, I don't actually know. Uh, I, f I feel like most, I mean, you say, I'm not sure if it's the same in the US, like I would, I would know nothing about this if one, we hadn't gone through it, even going through it, I know a lot more now, having, you know, I worked in, uh, as a university lecturer, I wrote um, programs for universities. And uh, even within that, I didn't get to see this side of it, because this will be done when you know, say a university course is fully set up. But um, yeah, it was a long, long process. I know kind of before we were talking about doing the podcast, it, it, it was kind of like, what what did that process look like? And honestly, it's just, it, it you wouldn't realize the amount that you have to go into it. The, the problem is, is uh, it makes it sound something like so. We we now have government recognition. The course is recognised. It's it's mapped against the the good thing for me. The really good thing for me is people are able to understand it broadly internationally because very often people will say, "What is it? What do I get from it?" And MNU until now, Nutrition until now has been a professional qualification, and I feel like a lot of the time. Maybe in other industries, people are fairly happy with that. You know, I'm a whatever, and I've done my professional quals. But people are like, yeah, but what is it? Is it, you know, is it a degree? Like, what, what is it? And um, so there, there's been a level of, for me, that was never a goal. But, it, you know, lots of people said, oh, thanks so much, because in my country now, it's much easier for, say, employers or academic institutions. It's set at this level. Um, you know, it's a, there's a essentially a framework we've mapped it against the framework of competencies workplace competencies so it's a it, you know it's been as well i've i've historically sort of said you know we teach it like a level five level six level and that's and and i even think level seven because i've done you know the the, the degrees the masters the postgraduates i know what and have employed many people who have done those i know that our teaching and this you, you will know from what you've gone through the way that referencing is used, the way that you're not just given information, you really have to take it, understand it, analyze it, synthesize almost new knowledge by applying it to a case study scenario. And so I know that those skills, so basically there's all these words like synthesize, critically analyze, critically evaluate. And so the biggest thing for us was to basically show the awarding bodies and and, and this, this government off-qual, the office for examination assessments show them that we both teach and assess and how we're assessing everything so um it was just such a long task but honestly it's it, it, it's nice now because now it's just a case of and I'll even tell you this some of our competitors and I say competitors loosely because 
I'll be honest, it doesn't feel like we have any. You know, it's like degrees have their their place in the world and people want these, uh, I want to get a degree. Like why? Nobody really knows. Uh, and employers, you know, everyone's kind of got one in a, and, and degrees are almost just been given out now because especially in the UK, my lecturer friends are like, man, you're going to take over because we're just having to hand out degrees now. You can't even fail a student because you look bad. Uh, these these people are paying so much money. They're customers. They're no longer students, which is terrible if you if you think what it's supposed to signify. And um, but yeah, so our competitors, like I said loosely, it's just some of them will say, "Oh no, you know we're accredited. Oh we're you know we've we've written a textbook. You get two textbooks when you do a course." I'm like, man, a textbook goes out of date the day you write it because there's new research, there's new updates. Um, and oh, we're a level four and we're a certificate and whatever. So we knew we were amazing. We've been running for seven years. For me, the, the thing that I've always been most proud of is what it helps people do. And that is, that's what, what an educator should really, you know, lots of public speaker educators just trying to impress people by making stuff complicated. And I always call this out in my talks. I say, who's been to see this guy talk? And they're like, put hands up. And how much of it did you understand? And, you know, I'm looking directly in their eyes, in the audience. So then they don't lie. They go, not a lot and I'm like so and I'm like would you go and see him again they're like yeah and I'm like why I'm like you think you're just going to passively absorb some kind of information and, it's, and half of the time it's just the reason they didn't understand is because it's made up BS you know it's a personal trainer pretending to be an endocrinologist or or you know whatever like a Chinese medicine guru and just non-applicable information way too much on the science and you know as an educator I'm like what, what should I be trying to do? One, I want people to really be able to get either get a job or create a career for themselves. But also a big part of it, and this is impossible to sell, uh, but is the confidence that seems to come with the way we teach. And I, I kind of, it, there's, there's a level of, I understand why people come away from it with, with more confidence. But I still can't quite tangibly explain how it happens. I understand that because we teach people not only facts, we we it's that whole give a man a fish. It's like we don't just give you the fish. It's like we teach you to fish research, uh, you know, perform fishing within the research to go on and understand new information, understand new claims so that you don't become outdated in a few years because now there's this whole new trend of, continuous blood glucose monitoring, the gut microbiome stuff that people are cashing in on and misleading clients. And yet our students are able to look at the research and go, uh, hmm, I'm not sure they can make those claims in that way because I learned this. And, you know, you've seen it. We, we build from the ground up modules one and two really, really give you this ability to then look at the advanced nutritional concepts, the advanced research, the cutting edge stuff, and then onto, you know, obviously the very specific performance goals and, and some of the clinical considerations, PCOS being one that we'll discuss today. Um, but anyway, yeah, I've kind of rambled there. It, it, it's just, it's such a huge, huge process, but really for, for, for people who have gone through the course and, and people who are going to do the course, it, it, things won't look that different. And I'm also proud of that because, you know, one of our competitors in the UK a few years ago, they, they were you know, we're better than them and you because we've rewritten our whole course to be evidence-based. And I was like, 
whoa. And I've like, I looked this screenshot up the other day to show my staff. I was like, shall I just post this just to show? And because I replied to this going, so have you given a refund to the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people who you knowingly taught non-evidence-based content to? Um, and obviously I got no response and blocked and whatever. Um, but it, you know, it's that thing of, we didn't have to change what we've been teaching. We, you know, very minor changes even to our assessment process. And I think that becomes people, I think sometimes forget, like I have all of my higher education lecturing qualifications. I, you know, I did night classes for three years alongside my, you know, being a lecturer, alongside setting up my consultancy. And there is some uh, science or best practice with regards to teaching and the way you assess and differentiated learning. And we put that all into MNU. So, you know, we created a product, a course that I'm so, so proud of. And, but the proof is in the, the pudding, which is big employers, big respected individuals are, you know, going out and finding graduates and going, we want MNU graduates. And I don't know if you saw my story the other day, someone who's like working for a big health, private healthcare company who look, who recruits into the NHS in the UK is like, as soon as I see MNU on a CV, I put them straight through. And I was like, what? Like I screenshotted that, sent it to our staff WhatsApp. I was like, how cool is this? Because it's just one of those stories. I'm so grateful that I'm, I am a public facing person. I'm not, I didn't just set up, create a product and sit back. I love interacting. I love pushing things forward. Um, but it's just, that that was before it was government recognized. Yet she's pushing people through because she knows that these graduates will be good. So, yeah, it's it, I've, I've kind of gone on, but it's just it is just one of those things. I honestly feel like there isn't a single reason in the world that anyone could choose another course over MNU now. I'm just like, yeah, we've done everything. And, and it's un- it's almost unfortunate that that. Like you said, this accreditation wasn't because you made some crazy changes to it and all of a sudden now it qualifies. It's almost it's almost unfortunate in some ways that that is important to some in some circumstances to some people, whether that's incoming, um, you know, people who want to take the course or people looking to hire. But, you know, at the end of the day, there's some level of like, all right, whatever. That's something that you need to do. It's not like you needed to change the course. It's it's just going to help more people at the end of the day. It's like, all right, we have this new accreditation that's going to help my students. It's going to help them, you know, get, you know, future jobs or whatever. And that's something that it wasn't about all of a sudden now you qualify. Uh, it was, you know, this is just something that we had to fight for along the way. And 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 now it helps all the people that are coming in and, and you know, get more people to come in and all that stuff. Your lecture friends who said that you guys are going to take over, like I... I, I can't help but, but you know, whatever. I'm biased. Obviously, I'm wearing the shirt. I went to MNU. I did MNU. I love it. A big, big advocate. But I just, oh, I just think that there's, it's just so much, it's so much more of an accessible, it, it, we have a combination of here of accessibility, affordability, and quality. Mm-hmm. And it is just the perfect triangulation of those things. And I'm not saying there's, mm-hmm. like you said, never a time and a place to go and get some acronyms after your name and, you know, go the academic route. And maybe, the, listen, for certain professions and certain circumstances, like we're at a point right now where that's required. Um, but, but I I would double down on that and say that in the, if I'm someone who's like trying to get into the field um, and, and not to do my own tangent here, but I just think that there's a difference between you know, people are out there wasting, I will use the word wasting and stand by it, wasting so much time and money on like this coach's mentorship or this mastermind or this. Mm-hmm. And and I just, 
like you, uh, what scares people away from MNU is is the same thing is the same reason that it is exactly what people should do is that it's it's actually serious it's serious like it's it's 12 months it's it's structured yeah. there's a test it's not a bullshit test where you google the answers at the end you know like it's a yeah. real thing <laughs> yeah. you're doing open ended yeah. essays people are really like real humans are grading them and yeah. and i and some people feel and i have a lot of coaches who listen to the podcast and and i'm like take all the time and money you've spent and just put it in this one bucket here because you're going to get way more out of it mm-hmm. um, because it is serious. I think people are like, I'm not saying it's serious. Like it's scary. It's, it's yeah. actually not scary. Uh, I think actually it goes at a nice pace. It's not overwhelming in terms of the hours per week. It's, you know, you can work full time and still do this. Um, yeah. And, and I just, I just think that you had said, you know, as from a competition standpoint, I, I only have one experience. So I'm not, it's not like I've done a million of the, perceived competitors out there but um it seems by far the most serious and the most comprehensive and those are the god those are the things you should be you should be seeking out if you're not going the academic route which i'm not suggesting i'm just saying if you decided that you you know not decided or maybe you're like me who went a different academic route decided later in life you wanted to do this and by this i just mean something in the health you know related field here nutrition you know fitness health general health whatever um is that you should be looking for something that that is as legit as possible because we're living in a sea of bullshit everywhere. And so, um, yeah, again, this accreditation, it's not like you guys changed a whole lot about what you were doing and now all of a sudden it, it meets certain standards. It, it likely always did. It just, yeah. this shit takes time. Um, but that's really great. And for people who, you know, for whom that's going to be meaningful, I'm very happy and very proud and very excited for you guys. It just, I, I laugh because I'm sure that, it's not like you guys rewrote the whole course. And you're like, now it meets some requirements. Uh, you know, I have yeah. a, I have a friend, uh, Dr. Adrian Chavez, who I think just did some courses for, and, and he's been on the podcast a couple of times, just wonderful, just smart uh, dude. Cool. And, you know, another yeah. person that when he told me he was, you know, he had been asked to maybe do some, I think on some insulin resistance, I was like, this is why, yeah. this is why I'm use the best. Cause they're, they're, they're finding people like Adrian. They're finding, you know, you know, people to talk about things that are incredibly evidence-based, but also balanced and not like, neurotic just pubmed you know chugging along pubmed ids you know people yeah. are actually in you know i hate the in the trenches i hate that like as if what we yeah. do is like in the trenches whatever but like working with real people and combining yeah, yeah exactly combining you know scientific literacy but also experience working with people and so i just don't see yeah. i'm not saying there's no reason to go the academic route but if you're if you're not going to go the academic route like you should be looking for something as legitimate as possible and there just isn't yeah. anything as legitimate <clears throat> as what you guys are doing yeah yeah, I, I don't know if you saw it again. I posted just on my story. And I, I did this partly tongue-in-cheek, but I was 100% serious. And I did interact with people on the subject. But I also did it from somewhat from a, a market research point of view. I said, you know, I, I only offered up £100, but I said anyone. And because I wasn't asking them to do a whole lot, but anyone who can show me a degree program that any from any country in the world, from any university, in its entire three-year syllabus that is as good as MNU for working with people. So not preparing people. So dietetics aside, I, mean, I said nutrition, accredited nutrition courses, you know, dietitians aside, because they have a very specific role, they, they get taught a very specific syllabus, which is important for the job that they do. But again, I could even take a dietetics program and compare it to MNU for working with people on the biggest and most common requests by real people to nutritionists, coaches, whoever, which is around body composition, 
whether that's fat loss, muscle gain, or health, or then hobby-based um, performance goals, strength, you know, CrossFitters, hobby triathletes, but then even performance athletes. So I'm not saying, you know, I would put our course against most, you know, I've done a sports nutrition masters from, you know, arguably one of the best universities in the world. And I know what gets taught in MNU and the stuff we put in MNU was from both my masters and the more current up-to-date literature, which again, we have this ability to stay very very up to date and update things and like you said with bringing people like adrian in very contemporary issues we just have this flexibility which when you talked about accessibility and cost like a lot of what we're amazing for i'm not saying i'm brilliant it's just a factor of what we're doing you know people typically were like online courses there's that's almost like a dirty phrase it's just an online course like Loads of degrees of masters now are just are practically online. Like we've pre-recorded the lectures. Now you can come into labs and learn to do pipetting or, you know, uh, you know, learn to do a VO2 max or whatever. And, uh, but then there's still, it's still just this online learning. And, and again, you want tutor support, you know, someone, uh, one of these lecturers said to me often, the lecturers that you'll get are not even the ones that are passionate about the practitioner stuff. They love research. They're good at research, but they're not necessarily the guys who you should be learning from. They're not necessarily the best. And, you know, not even saying that I'm the best nutritionist, but I have a very long career doing what people want to go and do as a result of the course. Likewise, with all of our registered nutritionists, registered dietitians and practitioners that we have bringing people along, it's you do get a good insight into things. Um, and again, like for for the the specificity of the content, you know, I, I asked that question and really it, there was a few people that challenged it in very polite ways. And we had good discussions. And I said, as I understand it, this course teaches this, this, this. And they're like, yeah. And I was like, do you see how that's not actually overly helpful or it's too specific or it's too in-depth? You know, you go into the, the um, you know, specific biochemical pathways around mit mitochondrial biogenesis and, and, and why these train low strategies. You don't need to know. If you're a geek, MNU gives you the, the pathway to go, here's, here's your further reading. But we don't force people to do the further reading and we don't force people to watch an hour lecture. Um, on these different things, because it's just a waste of your time as a practitioner. Um, and loads of people are geeks. And, I, you know, I'm a geek and I love we provide a platform for the geeks. But actually, we stick true to the mission of there's only a set amount of time. And really, most degrees, God, like you could do a three year degree in one year if you didn't do all the fluff um, that they just have to do to add it extra so that it's got the, the total learning hours sort of thing. But anyway, yeah. Uh, I'm very proud of this sort of, like you said, recognition accreditation, uh, and so it's, it's exciting for the for the coming years. That you make a good point about this difference between like a width and depth, and so like like how general and how specific on a single topic, because that is something that is something that we on our end, like as practitioner, well, you as well, but as practitioners are always kind of wrestling between. It's like, how much do, does my client need to know about mitochondrial biogenesis? Like pro probably nothing, uh, but how much do I enjoy learning about it? And what's, you know, what's my ability to balance my, my enjoyment of learning more and more and more with the practical application of that stuff. And I feel like what you just said is, is actually a good point that uh, that was something that I found really great. If someone's like, Hey, I, I don't need to, 
know all of this super nerdy shit about uh, these these very in-depth, you know, whatever, uh, scientific things that are just not actually practical when it comes to working with the human being. Um, but there's a balance of, yeah, but th- we're going to give you enough because you probably need to know just up to here to come back down mm. and be able to work with a wide range of people, whether that's yeah. people with pregnancy, PCOS, some of the stuff we're going to talk about today, even some of the endurance and the, the body composition stuff. Um, and that that balance of getting that getting that balance right of how how wide do we go, how general do we, you know, how many different types of um, you know people do we want our MNU graduates to be able to work with versus how in depth do we need to go on all of that stuff? It's a delicate balance because you're going to lose people with a lot of biochemistry, a lot of that stuff, but we need to find the right amount. And I, I don't want to speak as if I'm the, um, the portrait of what, what MNU is, because I'm sure every person who takes the course is different, but I am a minimalist at heart and, uh, and to do the least, not, not in the sense like lazy, but I want to know as much. I like learning for myself, very in-depth things, but I want to know what's the most practical. At what point is this actually going to be helpful mm-hmm. for the person? You know, what I want to be doing is actually helping the person in front of me. And so I want to take that information, make sure that it's practical. And so from speaking from someone like me, well, I, I'm a little bit of a nerd, but I'm not the sit at home, scour PubMed for 10 hours. Now I'll do some of my own absolutely investigation. I actually really liked the um, lectures, the modules on um, scientific literacy and and looking up research and reading research and hierarchy mm-hmm. of evidence and all that stuff, incredibly important. Um, but I, but I do I do want to give you a bit of a, applause for that balance of how nerdy are we going to go? Because I think some people get scared that it's going to be all biochemistry and all mitochondria and they're going to go back to biology yeah. class. Um, and and some other people are going to think that they're not going to get enough of that. And I really feel like it's a good balance mm-hmm. of not overwhelming you, making you think like you're going to be talking about the sodium potassium pump with your clients, um, but yeah. still giving you enough to, to have that sort of information that you can kind of yeah. l- continue to learn from. So I think that that's, that's really special. Mm-hmm. I'd be interested in a little bit of the, in the history of MNU. I know you guys are opening up enrollment pretty soon in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 4th of, uh, 4th of July. Oh, yeah, for our soon. September very enrollment. Soon. Yeah, amazing. I'd love to hear a little bit about how. I know that there's some. Oh, there'll be some overlapping information of, that we just talked about. But I'm curious how this mm. came about. What was what was what was it in you that was like, yeah, this is uh, this is what I need to do. Yeah. Um. So I. It's funny. I won't like go into loads and loads and loads of detail. I in on my podcast. I think episode one of my podcast. I ended up doing like I can't remember how long it was, but it was like a one or two hour podcast or something. But explaining a lot of uh, of the basis of what happened and there's other nuances and funny stories about um a uh w- you know we had a very successful thriving consultancy um working with general population we did a lot of corporate wellness we had kind of ended up loads of public schools I, I, we you know i through my sort of performance nutrition work i'd then done work with uh, sort of academies and then the word just got round and for some reason we kind of became this consultancy where all the public schools just like up and down the country miles away from us were just asking us to come in and do and do young athlete programs with them and then obviously we had our kind of professionally athletes that we're working with and so basically what happened was as you kind of probably know I spend a fair amount of time on social media, call stuff out. I used to call stuff out a lot more. I had a lot more time to do it. Um, Typically, I only do, I don't go out of my way to call people out 
it's very much just passion based. So I see something, I hate that they're lying or that they're misrepresenting something or they're disempowering people. And I just can't help myself and I create content. And so obviously the more attention you give to social media, the more angry you get and the more <laughs> you create. So that's why I do it less now because I just don't have time to be on social media in the same way. Um, but that's how it came about was that I was criticizing so much of even the educators of nutritionists criticizing the i put on my story again like the british dietetics association and some of their you know really unethical industry ties and the the people who i see doing criticizing that these days are just like these zealots these like the government trying to kill us all they're trying to keep us sick so if you follow those recommendations it's just the doctors, they want you to buy the drugs. Like it's just, you know, those people. Um, but the pro the problem for me is, is by these legitimate organizations, give them something to grab onto. Like you, the, 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 in the UK, I, I believe it was the BDA in a while, they were literally sort of in bed with the sugar bureau. So, the, you know, the Sugar UK, the essentially the propaganda um, organization for promoting the consumption of sugar. And, and you know, there was lots of these different uh, industry ties that led to just these weird ways that they would, they wouldn't completely lie, but they would just dull down. It's just a conflict of interest. Everyone knows about conflict of interest, but yet these professional bodies were doing this. And again, the, you know, talking about public health, public health nutrition messages as though they were designed for individual messaging. And so, you know, and, and even things like the, you know, RDA back then of protein of 0.8, essentially talking about something like that as though that was an optimal amount. That's what we should be advising. But we all know that that was never created as a tool to prescribe individualized advice. Um, so calling stuff like that out and calling out the fact that just people were coming out of nutrition degrees and, and masters and just not knowing what they needed to know. And so, as someone who I got plenty of stuff wrong, but I at least was always trying to learn and better myself. And I wasn't just relying on my degree. And I was I was just a geek 24 seven my entire life. I was a very narrow personality person uh, but it's kind of I guess in a way why I became um, good at what I do to some extent and so just calling this stuff out and calling out the educators and calling out again these online certifications and then it was essentially people started saying to me we'll do something about it which is a a strong challenge and I'm like I'm doing something I'm telling you it's bad they're like yeah but provide something else and I'm like what am I going to do? Just write my own course? And uh, it's like, well, yeah. And then, and so I had a mentorship for, for many years, which was like, like a weekend mentorship where I essentially try to, and, and some of that mentorship still lives within MNU. Um, a lot of module one, the, the kind of that core basis of understanding ability to read research, ability to understand, you can't just look at an abstract, um, just the different, <clears throat> Uh, uh, Danny Lennon sort of said, you know, it improves. He he came on the mentorship and he said, like going on this mentorship, what it does is it it increases someone's learning curve gradient, so they're just able to get 
to the right answer quicker. And um, so basically, yeah, we, we obviously had a few hundred people who had gone through that over the years and they said, look, create something longer term. And so it was like, oh, I'm going to write a 12 week course. And uh, I basically said that online and then <laughs> everyone went crazy. And uh, a, a kind of funny ish story is, I don't know if you've seen lots of things online, like powerlifter university or powerlifting university and like platform university. They're just like, and again, I think they're American companies. So you can use the the term university and it's, you can't get done. And so I was like, well, I'm going to create Mac nutrition university and the hate and abuse I got from this from like lots of my lecturer friends and then all of our competitors reported us to like trading standards and advertising standards agency so the, the first year of MNU I literally had so many like legal issues of like because then people were just like you're trying to mislead you and all these different things and so it, uh, you know we were just like instantly as soon as we were I was like what we can't do that we changed it instantly but that didn't stop all of these kind of calls from our competitors and and i sat down with these people from these trading standards and, and said this has all come from a competitor and actually you know explained it out to them and every single point i i explained to them and and essentially undermined them i was very proud of myself um my pa at the time was afterwards like man like you owned them and i was like oh thanks very much but so so we create we were going to create this short course and everyone was like they're creating this be all and end all course, the course to end all other courses. And I was like, no, we're not. No, we're not. It's just going to be on YouTube. We're just going to do a few educational seminars. So, uh, yeah, it just came about. I was like, okay, we're going to do something big here. I'm going to do it properly. And uh, I, I had a client at the time, or I got asked to work with a client at the time who's, uh, uh, you know, it's just insanely wealthy. And I didn't want to, I wasn't working with clients. And basically, as the story goes, he's, he pretty much, I said, I can't work with you. I don't have time. I don't work with clients. And he said, and I said, and also it wouldn't make me happy. I said, like, working with clients, I love it. But when I can't give it my full headspace, I find it quite draining. And if I'm not doing a good job for you, I won't enjoy it. And then he said, well, how much is your happiness worth? <laughs> and I was like, what a question. And so I took it to the sort of senior management at the time and said, we could we could use this as like we'll close the consultancy for six months and write this course and uh so i i sent him this brief of what i would do from him and he had quite a complex case because he lived between four different countries and had all you know basically only ate michelin star food and it was a, it was a lot of work from a research perspective uh of like ar being an architect for his life and i just i wrote this figure down and uh, he deposited the money in my account within an hour, all of it up front, bam, look, and, and sent me an email. Sounds good. Yeah. Look forward to working Thumbs with you. Up. How? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that was the full email. Like, looks good. I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> and so, yeah, we just set about doing this. And, you know, it was crazy writing it because then I thought I need to create something. And I lost sleep, honestly. Um, you said something earlier, Jordan, that was about um, when you said about being a minimalist and being wanting to know what works and, and the balance. And so it's really nice to have someone like you go, you know, who's done it and been there and the type of person you are to go, 
you know, props to you for that because I lost so much sleep over it and thought so long and hard about, because the types of people I knew who were going to do the course, which ranges massively from career changes to like super academic, super intelligent, super geeky, super successful already people. And so I was like, how do I make all of these people happy? And that, you know, that's where the differentiated learning came in. Um, but every single lecture, we would essentially, you know, write and then rewrite and I'd have, you know, I'd present it to everyone and then I'd get them pre to present it back to me because I find when someone presents even my own stuff back to me, I'm super much more critical um, and saying like, well, why do they need to know that? And Sarah, who, you know, Sarah Darfield, head of nutrition, um, she and actually, it's her 10-year anniversary at the company. She doesn't know this because this podcast won't go out, but we're about to present her with a big check and, like, we're doing a big thing later after work today. Uh, and, you know, she's wonderful. And uh, she would say to me, I said, but why do they need to know that? And she would just go, because, Martin, it's interesting and you'll make them enjoy it. And so I'm like, yeah. And so loads of that, we would go back and forward. So lots of that stuff never made it into MNU, but lots of stuff she said, but, but it's just interesting. You can't take everything that is not super practical or super, people like to geek out a bit. And I think we honestly found the, the balance of funny, which I honestly never tried to be funny in a single lecture. Um, it, you know, it's like some people like write jokes into lectures. Like it's not a thing. It's just, you know how I talk. I go off on tangents, which probably out of the, you know, thousands of people have done at m and would probably have had two or three people complain about the tangents. And it's like, you literally can't please everyone because, and we reply back, we're really sorry. Thank you very much for your feedback. You know, we, we keep it on file. We've got the three names of people who complained, but it's like them versus the thousands who are like, honestly, I was sat in my exam and I was thinking about that tangent where you made that real to me. And and I remembered it. So, yeah, that, that yeah yeah. You you sort of asked what's the story behind it. I could go on, but that's kind of that's how it came to being to to create something that the industry didn't have. And I honestly feel so blessed that no one did it before us because it's crazy to think we were the first, really. I think truly evidence based nutrition course for practitioners out there. Like there's good courses out there. Um, you know, I have a lot of respect for precision nutrition. I have so much respect for John Barati as a person. Um, but I just think they, they left a lot on the table. You know, they, really, I can't, I can't name one other course off the top of my head that that has the, the kind of, yeah, the breadth and the depth of the information other than precision nutrition. But, and, and I know there are differences in the price points, but, you know, back then, PN1, it was good. And loads of loads and loads of our students have done it. But it just left so much on the table. And I'm just so glad that I got to come along and just fill this new gap. Um, and, and kind of nice because PN1 got people to this good level, this sort of basic understanding of certain different things, a, a good sort of just an awareness of being a coach, not just here's some science. And... Um, and then, yeah, we created something that just, yeah, amazingly has 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 really started to help people. I, I think that the PN is probably the one that jumps to mind for me, just even in like, even in a conversation of like a similar type of thing. But the thing that, that I don't, again, this has been a very long time and John Brody's, I respect him a ton as a person as well. 
um, and I'm staring at the PN book on my bookshelf. Um, <laughs> and like you said, left a lot on the table. Not listen, I'm not. We're not going to. This isn't shitting on PN session, but there was a. So I'll turn it. I'd rather talk about MNU, but is is that they there were a couple moments of bias in that in that course mm. for me sure. that were that really rubbed me the wrong way in terms of mm. methodology of like how to approach whether it's ca- you know ca- counting your calories or you know yeah. tracking macros or and there was um i felt like that wasn't the kind of coach i wanted to be i i you i don't know if you guys do it on purpose or not but there was an element of hey we're not i don't want to tell you exactly what to do as if you have to use our method as if we even have a method um yeah and so you know what i'd rather do is hey here's all of the tools give you you know sharpen your toolkit all of that stuff and it it felt it it felt palpable like you could feel the lack not that you know lack of bias is an oxymoron Uh, everything we do has a bias (laughs) but um it felt more like at the end of the day, I was going to make a decision about what I wanted to do. Whereas when I was taking PN, again, a decade ago, potentially, so a long time ago, uh, it just felt like I was going to turn out the way they wanted me to almost into like, hey, this is how I'm going to move forward working with clients. Almost like they were, they had an idea of what I would end up like. Instead of when I was taking MNU, I just felt like I'm going to end up taking this information and kind of molding it to myself. I have a question. Listen, we've been here for 30 minutes talking about MNU. It's awesome. If there's a person listening and they're like, hey, this is super interesting, but I, I just, could you talk just a little bit? We're going to talk about PCOS in a second um, about what the structure is like. What are people committing to? Um, and just a very, just like broad strokes. Hey, it's this many months. There's a there's this sort of a test. Mm. It's You do this sort of workflow from yeah. a week to week basis. Yeah. So essentially it's... Uh, like I said, we have enrollments opening in July and we, we take that pre-enrollment process properly. There's, we, we have a very low bar, I think, but we do have a bar for prerequisite kind of in, in, um, requirements. So again, people can contact us. I won't go into that now. Um, and just because we wanted, again, for people to have some level of, I didn't want career changers who were just, in, this is the first nutrition thing they'd done. Because when you come out of the end of MNU after one year, I do think there's also a lot of, you know, you probably heard me mention this thing like metacognition. It's like thinking about thinking. There's lots of nutrition and coaching and working with people where you just need to think and think and think. And almost I use that term mental masturbation as much as I use that in like a negative of like, ah, that's just mental masturbation. Like you don't need to think about that. You just just overcomplicating it. There is a level of just, yeah, do overcomplicate it for yourself unless it starts causing negative consequences of like, oh, Martin, I'm so confused about the lecture because I thought this and this and this and this. And it's like, stop thinking about that. You don't need to understand the like those biochemical pathways. Yeah, but how does the brain talk to the gut? And if, how, how did, how, how's a nerve made? You know, it's like, you don't need to know that. Um, I don't even know that. I can't explain that to you in in, in a simple sense. So um, yeah, it's kind of like, we wanted people just to have to be to think about people and come up like you said with some sets of values around working with people and those sorts of things and then the lectures obviously as you know it's it's one or two lectures depending on whether we've split it into two parts um per week and you know i always make this joke week one the homeworks are optional and then i'm like but one of you will ask me during the course Oh, the homework's optional. And I'm like, every time I tell you, um, but it's generally someone who's like maybe 
And because we care about the student experience, we have people emailing us going, you know, can I get a spot on the course three months in? And we're like, no, you can't. And they're like, you know, or, or even, even two, you know, it's like, we care about our student experience. Oh yeah, but it's an online course. I know you say that, like someone even said this to me. I know you say that publicly, but we both know it's not true. And I was like, I'm really sorry. Like he ended up doing the course. He's actually a friend of mine now, but because he's he's a successful businessman, he's like, I know you say that, but it's an online course. Like I can just do it whenever. And I was like, I'm really sorry. Um, that's not how this works. Um, and so, yeah, we go through a very, specific process of you know weekly some people say you know can i can i do the course in six months and like realistically like i said about a degree you could do it in a shorter amount of time um if you like there are people i cannot believe like a, a brand new baby you know one child a baby on the way um you know a, a husband that works full-time setting up their new business and doing MNU. That's uh, Stacey. She's one of the people that we're using in our adverts to kind of go as much as MNU is difficult if you prioritize the time, like it's only really, I mean, some people, I cannot believe how much time they spent on the menu, like genuinely 20 to 40 hours a week. I'm like, man, but they, they're like superstars now in terms of they did everything, they read everything, but they know so much more than they need to know to be effective practitioners. And they, you know, they read every further reading. They, some of them watched the each weekly lecture, which is one, you know, one to two hours three or four times or even just you know buffered it and and did a walk like listen to it back and crazy like amazing people but it's eight to ten hours and and i truly believe you can get the most out of the course with eight to ten hours you could probably you could skimp and do it in four to six it you know if you i i don't i would never would want to encourage someone to do that because like you said like get the most out of it and uh, and put all your kind of things in this basket but don't you know, don't skimp because you're paying money for it or whatever. But anyway, so yeah, it is a year long and we've started telling people it's 13 months. We put on our website 12 because you're only pay you, you can pay over 12 months, but actually your exams come in like your 13 months. So in our advertising now, we're like 13 month course. And I quite like it because it sounds quirky. Everyone's like 13, is that a typo? That's weird. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and then the exact, the examination process. Again, one thing, which was so going back to the assessment stuff you and I talked about at the beginning uh I was a bit worried that because it's open book or it's online that that would be frowned upon um but you know again there's uh, the the multiple choice exam and again I was like you know Billy was like I basically did multiple choice exams for my entire degree. Like, you know, I was like, I, I think I even had multiple choice tests within my uh, master's or maybe my postgraduate, one of them. And it was fine, of course, but you sort of go, I don't know if they've got through this some way or which way. And again, it, it depends on which aspect of knowledge you are trying to test and which keyword there's a there's a special word for them i can't remember off the top of my head but what you know if you if you've got a b c or d and you're trying to say you're teaching assessing someone's ability to critically analyze that's bs and that's what lots of these courses out there are trying to do and that's why it is that we have the the recognition and and we have this stamp because 
people don't have to trust me anymore that, that we're genuinely doing those things. We are. People can go online and they can look at the whole qualification, specification, everything that we, we are teaching and assessing. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so the exams, you know, is these three exams, the one I'm most proud of and is the case study exam, because it really is a culmination of knowledge. And you, it's cool that you said this, real people are marking the exams. So it's an online exam, but yet we have caught, um, I think, six to eight people cheating over the time. And I think people just don't realize. And genuinely, uh, most of them, bar maybe one, were like, you know what, I just didn't. I didn't, they didn't really engage with the course fully, but they, I think they were like, I, I didn't realize how serious you were. I didn't realize, like we're sat there as assessors. I don't do the marking. I have to stay uh, sort of uh, out of it um, because I obviously as a, a stakeholder, I could be seen as cheating or whatever. Or like, oh, yeah, you pay me money and I'll do whatever. So I stay out of it. But essentially the assessor is sitting there marking and double marking and and we pick this stuff up like identical things wrong and identical. Like, it's not just the computer. This isn't just people don't care. Like, I am not going to say this because it would cause big legal issues. But there are big qualifications that, you know, some of the qualifications people contact me going, this is as good as your course. And I know for a fact that their assessment process is BS. And, you know, people submitting essays at midnight and getting their mark back the next morning so unless someone's marking through the night they're like that would have taken them two days to mark but they've got access to the next module it's been marked they've got a grade they always get the same grade i'm like that's bs um so uh yeah it's the, the exams shouldn't be scary as you, you said but you have to put the work in they're not a walk in the park but um you know it's open book we i never wanted to test people's memories which is uh, you know, I'm good at memorizing stuff, but I know it's not necessary to be a good practitioner. It's not a real world test. So instead, it's like you can't like you said, you can't Google the answer because it's a case study where you have to understand this kind of multifactorial nature of the question in front of you. Um but yeah, is that a good uh, a good summary? Yeah, absolutely. And I laughed about the case study. I was telling my wife, I was like, I wonder if Martin's going to gonna look up what I how I did on my test before he comes on but I liked that I that it was not uh, that I didn't ace every single thing that this that is I'm very happy about that frankly I actually remember getting my scores back and being like that is comforting to me that somebody really scrutinized my answers and I probably put not not the 20 to 40 hour person not the four to six hour person right. more than the like eight to ten hour a week kind of I took it seriously, but again, maybe not the 20 to 40. And I and I yeah. thought I did a pretty good job, but but I thought that that's like, I don't know, maybe it just, maybe it's an ego thing where I'm like, I'm proud that it's real. But like, if you're a coach who wants to yeah. get better at your profession, you want somebody scrutinizing over this stuff. And it was mm -hmm. not scary scrutinizing. Like you said, it wasn't, it's open book, but it was, there, I could tell there was a real person reading this and there was a real person like, uh, just assessing what I was writing, not just like running it through a system or something like that, because it, yeah. it, I didn't ace it at all. Uh, it was not a, you know, and it was, it was just, that was comforting to me to be like, yeah, you know what? Like yeah, when I get my cool. diploma, it fucking means something and I'm proud of yeah. it instead of it being like, okay, like I paid and then, uh, and then it came in the mail sort of thing. And so that, that, that was yeah. really great. So awesome. Cool. And I think people do like clients working with people, you know, big employees employing people. I think it's that, We've stuck true to that the whole time. We're not just churning people out. Honestly, I it is a real emotional burden on me when I send failure, you know, failed emails. And 
I just have to keep telling myself this is for the kind of the greater good because I hate it when people get up that angry or upset with me. Um, and I even hate it when they're like, oh, I'm crying, I'm sobbing, I tried so hard, da, da, da. you know, and they're not angry, but they're just sad. It's it's tough, but I have to sort of go, I know, it, you know, woe is me, but it's like, it's not nice because you get to know people, like we are really in there, in the trenches or whatever, with people in their studies. So it's difficult, but it, it does, people are seeing that now that like, geez, I know what this person's gone through. I know him and you really take it seriously. And so it's cool. It's cool what it's becoming. Excellent. How, how, how much time do you have for PCOS chat? So I know how, yeah. how, how deep to go. <laughs> yeah, we were supposed to go, what, to three, three to four. I've, I've at least got another 33 minutes. Oh, that's, if you more, than, do that, that's more than enough. That's more than cool. enough. I have that time as well. So, so you've been, you know, we, I, we could have talked about a million things. There were a bunch of things, rapid fat loss or whatever. And I just picked yeah. one that I have not spoken about on my podcast. So I think a lot of people will be interested in. And actually, it's cool. something that affects a lot of people. And so I'd love to chat mm. a little bit about PCOS. And I think we could start very generally with the discussion of what what it is, uh, how to diagnosis, what the symptoms are, what the causes are. Yeah, so um, PCOS is one of those ones that um, I feel like is social media has, has finally picked up on a bit, which is both good and bad. So you've got the big um, whatever Hollywood doctors saying all sorts of stupid things about you know, it's a disease of carbohydrates or, you know, just insane, um, insane stuff like that. So, you know, with regards to, I guess you said their diagnosis, that initially, I guess people go to the doctors reporting maybe symptoms initially. So the symptoms are difficult because they are, they, it could be a number of things. So, it it usually is around maybe fertility issues or maybe just ovulation issues. So that's one of the diagnostic criteria. So a diagnostic criteria, um, once someone, I guess, gets into the medical system is um, ovulation issues. So maybe a full loss of their period, amenorrhea, or at least multiple missed periods. And then maybe through some blood tests, we then look to see is there... Um, hyperandrogenism so essentially it's this elevation of um these androgens you know testosterone being the most obvious one and um within the diagnosis so we tip i typically talk about the rotterdam criteria which is it's just that a nice diagram that you can show to see how things cross over and it's a it's a way that we can start discussing maybe even because if you just class every woman with pcos as the same there's actually differences um, with with common similar with with some similarities. So um, the other one is then through scans we can see if someone has um, cysts on their ovaries, so polycystic. So the syndrome is when you have two or more of of those three, at least when using the Rotterdam criteria. Um, the symptoms then also if we talk about the cause, because I I wish I had. Um, I'm kind of sorry I didn't looked up um Mark Hyman uh got really called out on this lots of the PCOS educators he did a um it, he essentially it's what I said there something about PCOS is just called caused by eating too many carbs um and <laughs> 
which is just categorically not true, obviously. Like there's there's really nothing that's caused by eating too many carbs. I mean, you have to define what too many carbs are. So lots of people were kind of doing reaction videos. And this is one of those things, if I'd seen it at the time, I probably would have done one myself. But PCOS is really, it's it's an endocrine disorder. So, uh, and the thing that you'll see is of unknown etiology. Like we don't know um what causes it really and and it's one of these kind of things of it's your genetics like if we just bring it back to the most basic level and um we we can compare control a control group of women who don't have you know two of th or three of these different um issues that we can define it by uh, diagnose it with <clears throat> and see some distinct differences and the the key thing that we see is this um mechanistically distinct type of insulin resistance so for the for the you know we we understand for instance bmi going up um and i'm just going to kind of gloss over the fact that bmi has many issues but we'll all just as a general population tool hopefully everyone's cool with me using that or, or i can just say with body fat going up um, with body fat going up, we can see the insulin sensitivity going down and insulin resistance going up. And um, but for the at the same kind of BMI level of body fat, you know, starting point, a woman with PCOS will have a much greater degree of insulin resistance. And so it, we, we end up with this issue of a even with a normal level of body fat whatever normal is or a normal bmi they they are still kind of at a disadvantage we'll call it and the problem is with this insulin resistance is we've then um we've then been dealt a worse deck of cards and so maybe something that our counterpart our friend whoever could quote unquote quote get away with we can't because then that leads us to then end up with some of uh, like i said the symptoms um one of this one of the other symptoms which is not really i suppose directly related to the diagnosis but is this hirsutism this this kind of facial hair growth which is as a result everything really seems to just be downstream of the insulin resistance we then get hyperinsulinemia we then kind of get blood glucose dysregulation um we get changes in certain hormones um that uh lead to these elevated androgens and so so like the the, uh, the aromatase enzyme that as a result of the hyperinsulinemia we get these elevated androgens that's then ca causing this um ovulatory issues and then also this facial hair growth that is just like again a, a side effect that these women don't like and um so but it all stems back to this sadly intrinsic you can't just cut out carbs and expect to be like oh you know people talking about cures what's the cure for pcos there's no cure um but there are things we can do to help the symptomology there are things we can do to even um undermine some of i guess the negative health outcomes that might come along with it because again if we if we're discussing really this insulin resistance which gets worse as you know if we're inactive and and we 
eat too much, that our body fat goes up, as happens with lots of the population because of A, their genetics, B, the kind of uh, obesogenic environment that we all live in. And, you know, the people who aren't blessed with sort of just this ability to live in that environment and not be too badly affected by it. You know, there's lots of discussion around um, personal responsibility and like, oh, you know, you should just be more committed. And, you know, you just, if you just sucked it up and and wanted it enough and it's like what load of rubbish um there are definitely elements of that don't get me wrong there are elements of like we have to get that point i can't remember who i heard say this the other day someone just they just said a lot of the time it's just people just get sick and tired of the status quo and they just decide to make that change and it links to some of the kind of um uh identity-based behavior change stuff i talk about on mnu it's like you just decide that you don't want to be that person anymore as opposed to just hating yourself into change which typically doesn't work um it's like this positive empowered process so the the insulin resistance is what really we want to focus on and so um you know, what do you, you you asked diagnosis uh symptoms core causes yeah um I think I've kind of talked about all of those. So yeah, it, it then takes us on to, well, I guess, what can we do about it? Uh, which is where I was going. Shall I carry on? Yeah, I would ask just just if, if someone is listening. <laughs> I just felt like I'd been talking for no, ages. No, you did great. And I asked three three questions each in and of themselves <laughs> could be their own podcast. So um, yeah. if, if I'm... if. If I'm a, a woman listening to this and I'm thinking, mm-hmm. okay, there's a high percentage, maybe you can talk to some of the, some of the statistics of 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 how much you know how the how many women are affected. Um, mm. What are the what are the triggers for me to decide to go and and see if that's the case? And I know you you mentioned what the symptoms would be. Okay, if I'm experiencing, you know, do people people don't experience in a like a phenotypical way of like, oh, I feel insulin mm. resistant, you know, like. And mm. so they're like, okay, mm. I'm struggling with weight loss. That might be something, or I'm getting some of this facial hair stuff. Those are things that I can actually see and feel. Are there other signs of like, oh, maybe I should potentially go and see and get some tests done, see if I'm, 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 you know, I have PCOS. That's an interesting question. So typically there aren't many, which, uh, which it's interesting that you've kind of asked that question. It's made my mind think, hmm, because what we have is it's a bit like that thing you know when you google a symptom uh, or, or like you, people it's like i'm either dying or or i've got trap wind like it's like you, you can go anywhere with the symptoms so that there are so many things with like reproductive metabolic psychological um It's symptoms and uh, byproducts of this this insulin resistance. And again, if it's been uh, uh, augmented by our lifestyle, so we've already got this, me- me- so it's intrinsic insulin resistance. It's typically called in, in, in a lot of the research that you might read. And then so as opposed to this like obesity-related extrinsic insulin resistance, um. So lots of the stuff that we would see as a result, it's like, so mood disturbances, you know, typically to answer your question very clearly, if someone has kind of unexplained 
um, ovulatory issues. So certainly amenorrhea. And I think a lot of people will go for that. Again, facial hair growth. The, the When we start talking about, okay, is there an appetite dysregulation? Now in the research, we do see some hints of um, appetite dys dysregulation in PCOS. Um, I couldn't tell you how much I side with that being uh, sort of a chicken and egg scenario, whether whether we're really getting a, as a result of certain different things, ending up in a scenario where, okay, appetites become an issue. So, you know, whether it's like reverse causation we're talking about there. So the, the scenario really is just is ovulation and then facial hair growth and those are the only two that are on top of that like there's even you know cardiovascular disease risk factors are a big area of research within the pcos population it kind of annoys me so i i did my clinical nutrition research project around pcos because of uh, personal family circumstances and and weirdly i don't know if you know this i didn't know at the time that my clinical uh nutrition lecturer was a published researcher like she had done her P her phd in pcos and then had continued her research so it was what well, what was amazing i've got so much respect for her because i read the research and was quoting you know it was only then when i started quoting her i was like oh my goodness like i had no idea i just picked this because i was allowed to um, and I ended up really critiquing lots of her work and her colleagues' work. And, she, you know, it just, I think people like this do exist. I, I guess I would like to say that I would be one of them. But I gave sound reasoning while I disagreed with some of what they were saying. And I ended up getting a good mark. That's kind of what I'm coming to here. But so so this is what that's where my initial real interest in PCOS came around and then ended up helping lots of people and have just been interested in it now for, you know, I guess a, a decade and a half. And, you know, some of the stuff that I've been paying attention to will most certainly talk about supplements quickly, I, I imagine. Um, you know, I I went from hmm, that's interesting, but way too early days. But then paying attention to that for maybe eight to 12 years, I was like without a doubt i'm gonna put my uh you know nail my colors to the mast on this one and and yeah that's i'm talking about inositol there of course but it hasn't reached the level that i would put it at within you know nice guidelines at the you know world level of implementation around pcos uh but i really really think it will and the, the i guess the impact i feel like my public publicity around inositol has had and the way the industry has taken that and, you know, people are now quoting it, you know, across the industry now for all of their PCOS clients um, is a big one. And it, it seems to just be having this tremendous impact. But sorry, going back to your question, what can people listening if go and get the testing? Honestly, the sad answer is there's not a lot. It's mainly menstrual cycle dysfunction, the hair growth, um, it, you know, weight gain, uh, anxiety, depression. Um, you know, a different, a different set of health tests where maybe your your uh, coronary heart, you know, dyslipidemia, all of these things, none of them immediately make you go, hmm, sounds like PCOS to me. Really, you know, because then you've got fibroids and like, oh, it's, you know, pain. 
uh, around the you know ovary area in the body it's just like really it's there needs to be something that makes you think something's not quite right here i'll go and get these tests um certainly as soon as you start getting a scan and it's like well i've got cysts on my ovaries well then straight away you need to um get the blood test to test for the hyperandrogenism um and you'll know probably birth control pills sadly uh kind of will mask one of those three um and also maybe sadly is often just like oh you've got pcos take the pill and come back if you ever want to get pregnant which is a big big bugbear for the entire pcos community uh you'll never get a more angry mob than than people who have dealt with that kind of lazy um medical care if i can even call it that the pill is the pill is a whole nother whole nother rabbit hole to go down my wife yeah. just just came just came off the pill and and it's just like you know the, the face you made for people who are not watching on youtube the face you made when i asked you about like what like sort of experiences could a woman have that would alert her to like, oh, I need to go get this done. Like you kind of made a face of like, well, there's like, there's a lot of like maybe stuff. And if you Google it, you might be dead and you might have this and you might have that. And so that is kind of one of the things where it's like, it's not like, oh, I have this exact thing. And then I Google it, bang, there's PCOS. And so, yeah, yeah. like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna repeat everything you just said. It was eloquently put, although it's something that is a, a bit nondescript. It is, okay, yeah. it's a combination of a some triangulation of a couple things that might be happening. If you are a person that you've, you know, you experienced some of those things, you go and get the test done. Maybe you have cysts on your ovaries or you do the blood test for the hyperandrogenism uh, and you kind of with your doctor, okay, it's PCOS. Um, and, you know, some of the numbers that float around are somewhere in that like five to 10% of women. Um, mm. I don't know if you would count oh, yeah. it with that number. No, no. Uh, it's one of those numbers, which uh, I think that's probably what we say in uh, around that figure in, in MNU. And it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, ah, well, if it's underdiagnosed, it could be more. And and there's also this level of, um, what is it, subclinical, essentially, oh, you're not, you haven't got hydrogenism, but it's just like yeah. you're elevated it's subclinical and actually for you as an individual with your genetics you're not quite meeting that classification but yeah give or take like if you if you say one in ten it's like that's that's the so many people um yeah yeah agreed so what do we so one, we do yeah, about one in ten of half the population yeah exactly yeah what do we do about it <clears throat> this this is where um the the only magic for me I think there's two 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 bits of magic. One is the magic that MNU gives people for all their clients, which is focusing on what matters. And you know, my tour, my tour talks, the the best feedback and you know, I go there going, oh, everyone knows this stuff. This is just the basics. This is whatever. Like thousands of coaches that like hundreds of people who have done MNU are coming to hear this talk. And I'm like, my talk is designed for the gen pop. But one, I say it in a different way. So that can be helpful. Like I like listening to other good educators because you're like, oh, that's a cool way of putting things or, oh, that's a cool analogy. Um, and then on top of that, you know, I tell some, you know, funny stories, people that's like, I try not to be like, just come to my talk because it'll be the funniest 
nutrition talk you'll ever come to and people are just like oh yeah it's like might as well just gone to a comedy show um and it's really nice like just to people just go away a bit buzzed and enthused but honestly it's the the key thing of like focusing on what matters so i go into but some of the fun stuff comes from calling people out but really intel you know intelligently i'm kind of complimenting myself but 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 cleverly, I can't not compliment myself, but intelligently explaining why they're wrong rather than just going, he's a gimp, you know, going, this is the premise with which they're making that that assumption uh, or that claim. This is why it's wrong. This is why you should ignore it. And that, again, with them and you, the confidence thing, we teach in that way. So you go, oh, I get it. I Rather than my PA, um, I can't remember who it was, but she said someone she knew was doing this continuous blood glucose monitoring. And she goes, when she told me, I was like, no, 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 no. And then she was like, why? Why? What's wrong with it? And she goes, I don't know, but just no, 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 no. And it's a lot of coaches are just that way. It's, you know, in your early career, you just go, no, that's BS. But a client won't buy into you. If their doctor has told them something or some super famous person has said something, you need to be able to really put it in a, a way they can understand and in, uh, you know, even storytelling to explain it. Um, so this situation of, of what can we do for PCOS, the magic, the magic comes with what do we need to focus on? And it, it's so boring to go the same things that will help with healthy eating and weight loss are the things that will help with PCOS. And everyone wants to be a snowflake. And, and I completely understand this is a big part of my tour is talking about genetics and your genetic set of cards and how that sets you up and why your own genetics have led you to a place of disbelief towards maybe if you want to call it western medicine or sound fundamental principles of nutrition because it didn't work for you and why didn't it work and i explained this is why it didn't work but it but it it's still a principle you can't go um I, there must be something, I must be different. It, you're not, this is why it hasn't worked. Oh, you know what? You're saying stuff to me that makes sense. And you're right. I did not track on that day when I had a crazy binge and then I tracked for seven days. And then I told my coach that I was in a deficit for seven days, but over eight days, I was actually in a surplus because I binged that day and I didn't track it because who tracks a binge, etc. And then it's like, yeah, just that acceptance of like, okay, I need to like call myself out. I need to hold myself accountable. It's not personal responsibility because some people have it so flipping easy. Um, and they're like, oh, look at me. I've got a six pack. It's like, mate, every 11 year old has a six pack. Chill out. Like you're not, you know, you're not cool. You're just a personal trainer who's 20 with no family, no <laughs> kids, no mortgage, no actual job. Um, anyway, I'll, I'll stop ranting. So the two bits of magic are what, what works and so for a lot of individuals with pcos improving body composition will like own own the fact that you have pcos it's unfortunate like people have crap stuff happen to them um and if we can we can get to the point of like things might be a bit harder for you slash you might have to be leaner than your counterpart to be in the same place as them that's the message um, you know, my BMI is 24, if we're just using that thing that everyone understands. And, you know, my friend's BMI is 24. And, you know, she doesn't have PCOS or she's not insulin resistant. Okay, but you are. And we're going to have to, you know, maybe she's 24 because she has more muscle mass. 
or maybe you have the exact same body fat level, but you've got PCOS and she hasn't. So we need to get leaner, build some muscle because muscle is a fantastic um, vesicle for uh, disposing of glucose and uh, which is <clears throat> another thing that just over time with, with the whole, you know, considering PCOS holistically, we do want to protect against these other kind of comorbidities of, of cardiovascular disease and, and everything like a little bit more muscle and a little bit more bone mineral density is great for a woman, you know, eight, through the lifelong aging process. So the magic is right. Calories that horrible word that people just uh, it's like oh no the calorie myth it's like there's no such thing as the calorie myth shut the hell up um and it's not all about calorie counting you know it when you said earlier about mnu and like you were you were going to come away making your own decision it's very much we, we almost went into mnu going we don't want to create calorie counters you know the same way other courses have their method and honestly that's probably the biggest drawback of MNU from a business or financial or or customer satisfaction people want a, a just a method give me an exact answer and you would have seen it within the student groups I, I watched the lecture and I don't know exactly what I would say in this exact situation with this and it's like because there isn't an exact answer there there is actually one a realm of of movement um for the the client in terms of their adherence that you pro we can't even tell you if you're going to get plus or minus benefits um and so we didn't want to just create calorie counters but we obviously did want to give people a profound understanding of energy balance because it's so important with so many facets of health so many uh uh areas of performance nutrition even um so yeah understanding that energy balance equation so this is where it, the boring bit of the magic comes in of like what do we want to focus on well protein seems to be helpful and so all of the key weight loss messages that that typically an mnu graduate and mnu certified nutritionist would be talking to you about of like the boring healthy eating stuff the behaviors around that will help you with weight maintenance and obviously, like you said at the beginning, we could have talked about aggressive dieting because that's something that everyone always talks to me about. But picking your appropriate strategy for fat loss um, and, and being able to maintain that fat loss, because that will, that, that, that's this thing of like cut carbs. If you cut carbs, your blood glucose will go down. And in this study where they cut carbs, HbA1c was a bit better in the low carb group versus the low fat group. Okay, but let's measure insulin sensitivity in a weight loss trial like insulin resistance in in the long term is a factor of this kind of cellular energy excess and so you can't really get away you know your keto and this person's low fat vegan macrobiotic diet and you're doing this and you're getting the same results like you're not better because you're keto and you're not better because you're vegan it's really this factor of I hate to say it, but, you know, an energy deficit. So, and, and a reduction of body fat. And, and again, it, like I said, increasing muscle mass can be great for this. And there's other small behaviors we can do. Get rid of smoking. Um, uh, you know, appropriate sleep. Um, and, and all the other holistic stuff we do around as practitioners, hopefully, around stress management. Because, and these kind of end up feeding back into 
um, adherence to the process that we want to do. So yeah, th th that's where the magic is of like, okay, we want to just overall eat better. So just to say it very clearly for people, low fat, or, you know, if we, we moderate, I don't really like the word, but essentially we reduce carbohydrate intake or we reduce fat intake. It doesn't seem to make a big difference. Like I would typically err on the side of caution of like, we do see tiny little benefits like small, but statistically significant. Um, and maybe some of the blood lipid profiles or, or certain markers with moderating carbohydrate intake. But we're talking like, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the exact figure, but it's like 48% of energy from carbohydrate. Like that's half your diet from carbs. It's so many carbs. It's not low carb, but obviously the, the, they, they were talking about reducing carbs, but it was reducing from like 60 to 48, not, to five or 10%, not to less than 25 grams of carbs a day. Um, but yes, and at the end of the day, moving towards what everyone should be moving people towards from a health perspective, which is just a mostly non-processed diet. So trying to get away from the stuff that most people who care about their health try to just be careful with their intake of these super highly palatable foods, junk foods, low nutrient density foods um so so th that and that will have a if you can stick to that and do that um and find what works for you with regards to your preferences so that there again there's little i can't remember mclean actually that's the that's the author i believe mclean 2013 that's coming into my mind uh you can look at you can fact check me john um but essentially looking at a low carb carbohydrate they stratified um um, participants by insulin resistant status and essentially found just slightly greater adherence only in the insulin resistant group and only with low carbohydrate intake. But again, it's just like, there's so much that goes into a human that like talking about preferences, talking about the sustainability of what they're doing, that it just, it just rubs out these tiny differences between things. So the final bit of magic is just then it's the supplements because it's the only thing that is like, I wouldn't tell uh, someone without PCOS, like vitamin D status, great. That, that's just an across the board thing. But again, if someone had PCOS, I'd be like, let's just get make sure vitamin D is right because there's some potential links there. And I'd be like, what's your oily fish intake like? Right, you, at the same BMI, you have greater level of insulin resistance. Well, I'm not going to assume that a standard amount of epa and dha these these helpful omega-3 essential fatty acids that you know that you can just exist within the realm so we're going to make sure that you are at the top end of, a, of what we think is a good intake and i've got a good in instagram post that people can go and look at um on you know just i think if you type martin mcdonald pcos supplements it'll come up um the the two things one is inositol and, and if you Google Martin McDonald Nosotol, one an article or an email I sent out, I, I've published online somewhere and I think it pops up. The only thing that is like a Jordan Lips exclusive is I'd probably increase my recommendations of L-carnitine now. Now, L-carnitine still like way down the pecking order of how effective, like in Nosotol, how it works mechanistically, the, the way it improves the signaling that and the amount of research we have on, inositol and pcos and you can use pcos with other 
um like pharmaceutical inf- interventions like metformin which is commonly used they work by different mechanisms and again especially in the realm of fertility if someone has got pcos and they're trying to get pregnant and they're, and they're trying to improve their menstrual cycle like inositol just massive impacts and you know time and time again just showing these these profound positive effects um but my the the recommendations around l-carnitine and, and as well as n-acetylcysteine which which <laughs> lots of mnu students who work with people with pcos like will just slide into my dms martin uh n-acetylcysteine and i'm just like lol uh, that i know the question already uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I have read the research you're probably about to copy and paste into my DMs. Um, but again, as a, it's one of those things where NSC cell cysteine really is working by antioxidant mechanisms. So, and and yes, we we see this like oh inflammation and all these words that people use that. Um, Again, it's a bit of a chicken and egg of like, well, we see inflammation with just really like poor dietary patterns. Um, so I don't know, because in these studies, it's not like they're going optimal diet, optimal exercise, optimal sleep, doing all this stuff, inositol, and then N-acetylcysteine. They're just going, eat pizza, carry on with your life or, you know, whatever. Um, sorry for the pizza shaming. It's, it was unintentional. Uh, but... And then take N-acetylcysteine. Oh, things are slightly better here. And it's kind of like, well, if we were eating lots of other foods, that you know, an you know, anti-inflammatory diet, uh, a diet that's high in these sort of natural antioxidants, would we see those benefits? I'm not completely sure. But yeah, my L-carnitine dosage recommendations were typically just based on the research in PCOS, but which was around 250 milligrams. And again, was showing these benefits. But actually, these days, I'd be more like one to two grams a day. So 1,000 to 2,000. So I think on that supplement post, it's a few years old now. I'd be saying like one to two grams. It's not going to, you know, that it's not like any sort of like toxicity worries at that level at all. Um, and I'm also not saying it's going to be a game changer, but it's just one of those things where I just want to help people as much as possible. So I'm just highlighting, you know what, these are a few supplements that you should consider. Inositol, first line, do it um the others just so that people have heard of them and can go away and have a look yeah in, in, i know we want to be respectful of your time but to crudely attempt to summarize any of that <laughs> wonderful knowledge would be that there's just like a list of things that maybe almost all across the board are net kind of way to think about what to do now is just a little bit of an extra emphasis on a lot of things that kind of we already not should to be doing but we already kind of know to be a healthy person let's say potential improvements of body composition improvement in muscle growth eat more protein you know you maybe need to be a little bit leaner to achieve the same health status as somebody else and then when we're talking about supplements um it's not that there's it's it's the same that you would think about supplements for a regular person but they just you might benefit more from them, not in a, not in a gross manner, like you're going to benefit more, but you might be at need for a little bit of extra help more than somebody yeah. else would be. And so, yeah, okay, fish oil, good, but good for everyone, maybe, but maybe even more important for you because you have a somewhat of a, let's say, air quote, deficiency somewhere. So we, we might need to, mm. that just might jump up the hierarchy of importance just a little bit for these people, yeah. Mm. Yeah, 
Yeah, definitely. Amazing, Martin. You've been, you've been wonderful. I appreciate your time a ton. Thank you so much for what you do. Is there anything else about uh, September intake or MNU that you want to leave people with? And I'll link everything in the show notes. Do you know what? I will say one more thing. Uh, when you said MNU there, uh, obviously we've got enrollments opening on the 4th of July, but because of the way this, you know, you've picked this topic of PCOS, people who might listen to this podcast might also be interested. We have our Mac Nutrition Live uh, Education Day in November, 18th of November. And it's the one where we typically do our MNU graduation in the evening. It's the graduation evening and dinner. But the daytime we put on this big uh, education day, which is open to anyone. And I have let this leak uh, that we are uh, doing basically a full conference on, I guess, female physiology, menstrual cycle, menopause um so we have seriously good speakers not just some joker who's decided they're going to be an expert um you know uh actual doctors um phd uh people with phds in the area you know full understanding of yeah so it's going to be female physiology periodization of nutrition and training around the menstrual cycle special considerations around that um again menopause my dms my anytime I put a question box on Instagram, just menopause, menopause, menopause. So many questions. I've seen so many people trying to touch on menopause that maybe shouldn't, um, or maybe don't have quite the understanding. They've just kind of Googled or Wikipedia it and written a little post and cool to create awareness, but people want some of the, again, it's that thing. What should I focus on? What, you know, that sort of thing. So yeah, 18th of November, a full day on that. So if people, again, are interested in this sort of you know PCOS um, area, they might really be interested in in some of that. So that's the only other thing that we haven't mentioned that I thought it'd be nice to give a little plug. Um, obviously, I'm on Instagram as Martin Nutrition. I spend a lot of time there giving sort of free advice, interacting with people as much as I can in my spare time. So if people want to ask me about that or just and watch out for when I do some announcements, um, then oh yeah and the other thing is actually we uh for, for your listeners because it was so nice to talk so much about mnu we've actually uh, again like a little exclusive i won't be saying this anywhere else but we've created a little code which if you don't mind putting in the show no notes but it's essentially just lips 90 um and yeah we're just uh going to give people 90 percent off the enrollment fee of uh, mnu as just like a you know what you listen to this podca podcast here's a is a nice little gesture. You made it to the um, end. Here's advice. what you get. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. yeah, that's that's a good shout, actually. Yeah. Um, so yeah, other than that, no, uh those are the main places people can find me. I, oh, and my podcast, not another nutrition podcast, if people do um like listening to the way I talk. Yeah. Some of just I'll let you go in a sec, but some on your podcast yeah. on that topic, some of my favorite my favorite content is um some of the parenting content. Some of the non, Ooh. it's not even, it's not like you're like pretending to be some parenting guru, but uh, yeah. the, the blend of nutrition and parenting as as I begin that part of my life is something that I really have been following more people and trying to just figure out what sorts of, I mean, it's got to be difficult. I don't even pretend to have an idea of how difficult it's going to be. I've had a good friend, Jordan Side come on, recently became a father, uh, and just oh, talk okay. about some of that stuff around, yeah. you know, just, I mean, it's a, it's a hairy, it's a it's a difficult thing. Whatever, being, parenting is difficult, yeah. and so how are you managing nutrition and your words and bringing, mm. you know, everyone wants to bring up their kids with a healthy relationship with their body and food, and 
you know, you've, you've put on some really, really great content on that and other things in terms of parenting, but mm, I, I quite like that a lot. So thank you. I, I should do more of that. I, it, there's a few things that even just parenting non-nutrition, which I try never, I call them wisdom episodes. And I always feels funny, like, you know, no wise man would call himself wise, but I, you know, just some just personal wisdom or experience episodes where I'm not going to give you a reference, but things that change the game for me as a, you know, in a weird way, I've become a parent influencer, which I never meant to do, but I'm just a very proactive kind of, you know, parent parenting on purpose type thing um and some like even little parenting courses i went on just changed some stuff for me in terms of behavior um you know discipline and and you know i think my children are phenomenal and i often think uh, you know just because i'm a natural educator i love educating i just like i did these things and it really had these profound effects on my children that are super positive and it just meant that you know you know i might have been lucky in certain ways but when people go oh you're so lucky your children i'm like i'm not lucky I, I, that's on purpose. That's by design. I have, you know, been done the short-term sacrifice for the long-term gain. And then the nutrition stuff on top of that, I do, I do, I should. And I, I thank you for this kind of the encouragement and the nice words, because there are things I haven't done on there with regards to um, the weaning process. And I guess the public health messaging around feeding babies versus maybe a slightly more evidence-based, pragmatic discussion of on an individual level, you know, taking privilege out of the, the equation because I am abundantly aware that some people don't have the privilege that, that others do and the financial ability to do X, Y, Z. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't be, you know, providing for, you, for your family as well as you can just because, oh, no one else gets to, you know, eat this particular food. We have to rely on that because it's cheap. Um, but there are certain things that, I just think even people who are in a situation where they could not just rely on, you know, industry um, formulations, let's say, as opposed to something else. Uh, so thanks for encouragement. I, I will get on and maybe do some more of that um, and then uh, send it to Jordan as well. Cause he obviously I, I watch his content. I'm just, I'm such a baby fan. So I'm like anyone who posts their babies. I, I love how unapologetic he is with it. Um, I very much been the same. I've had people say, Oh, I, I'm not a baby person. I just switch off when you, you put your babies um, on your stories. And I'm like, cool, I get it. I 100% get it. I don't care, uh, but cool. Um, so yeah, thank you. I've really enjoyed this. Thanks a lot, Martin. Appreciate I appreciate it. it. I'll put everything in the show notes. I'll tag you and everything and thank you everything. Good luck with the new enrollment this year. Have a good day. Yeah, thanks so much, Jordan. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Where Optimal Meets Practical. If you liked the episode, it would mean the world to me if you posted a screenshot to your social media or left a five-star review on iTunes. That stuff really helps. If you ever want to get in touch with me, just shoot me a DM on Instagram, at Jordan Lips Fitness. I'm always around to chat. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.